0: get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Sergunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Hey, Money Bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order? Once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together but just don't quite know how? I am with you, I've been there, I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order, It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger, but you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow System, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, You will never have to worry about budgeting, and who likes that budgeting thing anyway? You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money is in each of your accounts. So, head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less than five, five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. Finding your passion and achieving financial freedom. Welcome back to the Money Boss Podcast. In this episode, we'll be diving into the topic of finding your passion. Yes, truly, there is a way to do that and a process to it. And also supporting it with a business or a real estate investment that allows you to work from anywhere. We'll discuss the steps that you can take to identify your passion and how you can consider looking at real estate as an investment that supports that. My guest today is Hugh Zarutsky, a successful real estate investor, entrepreneur, and an author with a passion of helping others achieve financial success. He has trained over 12,000 students and manages a private real estate fund, in addition to co-hosting a business that manages short-term rentals for property owners. His book, The Lunch Button, is the bestseller on Amazon. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Money Boss Podcast. I am Anna Sribunina, your host, and today we have a special guest joining us. I'm thrilled to welcome Hugh Zaretsky to the show.
1: Hi, how are you? Thank you, Anna, for having me.
0: So excited. So we're discussing today a couple interesting topics, and I know we're going to draw a conclusion. We're going to talk about how to find your passion. That is one that I'm sure is worth more than just a one short episode conversation, but let's start there. I want to I want to bring in this idea because a lot of times people think about finding your passion is somewhat separate from what you already are doing, maybe perhaps in your career or your life. And then the next question, because the financial planner needs, me is like, well, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? And then you're an expert in real estate. So like it's kind of like is all, all over the place, but I know we're going to uh, connect the dots for everybody here. So sit back, relax, and let's kind of get started. If you have to think about finding your passion um, and how do you, like, how does one even begin? Because people come to this crossroad, you know, in their life, uh, you know, depending, right? You can start thinking about that question at the beginning and not even at the beginning of your career, and not even realize, but you could be sort of a crossroad when you're like, okay, I'm, you know, midlife, I've, I've done a lot of stuff. Like what, you know, what is it that I'm really passionate about? So like, what do you begin?
1: Yeah. So it's a very interesting subject because, you know, some people think about it. And then we sort of I think most people get pushed along like a log on a river. They sort of just get pushed with the current. Like, I'm sort of good at this. So I went into this field and then it was good. And then usually some sort of trauma happens. And I hate to use that word, but that's really what it is. Whether it's like you hit the glass ceiling, you break up in a relationship. Maybe you got a divorce or a breakup or, you know, like for me, it was 9-11. Like I thought I was happy in life. I was making more money than my parents combined. I had the apartment in New York City with a pool on the roof of the building. Right. I was like high on life, corner office, and then bam. Right. Two planes went flying by the window. And I, I after that day, I was like, am I really happy doing this? Like, you know, because we, we think we're happy. And then, you know, I end up taking some of the first pictures of the scene that day during 9-11. Of, and we processed the photos of the people jumping off the building, and their choice was like jump or burn. And I was like, the only difference between me and them is that my company's on at least on a smaller building. Right. Now it doesn't have to be that dramatic. And to all the military veterans, first responders, want to say thank you very much for all your service and what you've done in doctors during COVID. But sometimes it takes something like that for us to sort of step back. It might be a death in the family, and you're like, ooh, right. And then you sort of go, well, I'm not happy. And like you said, some people are stuck at their jobs because they've hit that, like, I'm making so much money. How do I leave? I don't have a good financial plan. I don't have a good plan to exit, right? Whatever it happens to be that they don't they don't know what to do. And so we sort of help them like clarify, okay, now you've done that. You might be successful. Now, how do you find that passion? So there's lots of questions we ask and things that we do. But I always say it's easier to have a job and start your passion part-time because some people like, just fire your boss, get out of get out of it and start over and it's like well you can there's some things you need to do to help launch an entrepreneur business that you can do while you still have a job that you can't do once you no longer have a job right um you know that as a financial planner right like totally if somebody wants to get lines of credit or mortgages or those types of things it's so much easier when you have a w2 job than when you're an entrepreneur
0: yeah it's a it's a phase and a transition and i mean it certainly can be uncovered but i feel like okay I mean, and these are the questions that do come up a lot, right? Because when you create a financial plan, you've got to talk about the goals. And so some right. of it, some of it comes, comes up in conversations because you're like asking the question, like what do you want to do now? I of course don't get, I'm not a life planner, right? There's like certain financial planners that spend a lot of time on this life planning piece, which I don't, I'm not trained in that. Um, but because it it a lot of times it's a little bit deeper than just the numbers that you know we can crunch and 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 give somebody an answer for. So like, how do how do you like how do you ask those questions? Because you have to ask yourself, right? It's not a question you should ask your you know. I mean, you should do it as a team, right? If you have a family or a significant other, but like, what's sort of a good first step um, in doing that?
1: Yeah. So oftentimes our passions are things that we like to do. That we may not know how to make money at, right? So you're like, oh, like, so I got this turtle behind me here. You can see the turtle. You guys on the podcast, uh, on the audio, can't see the turtle, but I got an underwater that's scuba good. diving and into some snorkeling and going to Hawaii and being able to dive with turtles and take pictures and those things. That's a passion of mine, but I haven't figured out how to make money off of that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to provide for me, right? But I can use a tool right? And, and I like real estate. Other people, you know, use the stock market. You can use that tool to build up cash flow so you can do your passion. That's why I say like real estate investment mm-hmm. may not be your passion. The stock market may not be your passion, but you need, you know, every religious book, the Torah, the Bible, everything says you got to help yourself first before you can help other people. So you got to build up that cash flow one way and then use that money to fund your passion, right? A lot of people want to do nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Awesome you need money to survive in the nonprofit, right? So I talk about having a business and real estate because between those two, you can get the income that you want. And and I go through that in the launch button book um, for people and just lay out a bunch of questions, series of questions, worksheets that they go through and really help them define what's important to them, right? And you and I can't give them the answer. We can't be like, hey, this is it, but because, you know they've got to ask them themselves those tough questions, and that's what a lot of people don't want to do, right? They make themselves busy so they don't have to ask the tough questions.
0: You hit, you hit it right on the nail. Like we 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 tend to do that, right? Like especially those and a lot of my listeners are you know families with kids, and like life can get hectic, and 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 then you're just like, okay, when do I even have brain power to think that through? Now something you said um, that's kind of interesting and. Um, passion does not necessarily needs to make you money, right? So there's other ways that you can make money to support your passion. So we're we're not necessarily suggesting that. If it does make money for you, that's great, right? But in your example, I don't believe that that's what <laughs> pays you, right? To 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 go snorkel and take pictures. I mean, it could. You can sell it on Etsy or Amazon.
1: <laughs> I could, but then. Like, so I translated my real estate world to be like, I want to buy waterfront properties because I can buy waterfront properties. I can rent them out on Airbnb. I can go there when it's warm or cold and and switch my locations, you know, to do that. So you can incorporate it into it, but knowing what one of your passions is, right? I know underwater photography, I'm not going to get wealthy at that, Mm -hmm. you know, more for me than for anything else, but that brings me joy. So a lot of Mm people, once they find what their joy is, now it's a fun. Find a way. Can I make money off of it, or do I need something that will support me? And how can I tie that in?
0: I like that question. What brings you joy? It may not be the, the answer you're looking for. So, for those who are thinking, and I'm thinking about you know my my busy families um, that are trying to balance a lot of you know a lot of balls in the air. How do we? Because you mentioned real estate, like how do we start to introduce that idea of? you know, owning properties, right? And there's or owning pieces of real estate and it could be all kinds of ways. So that at some point, whether it is to support their passion or hobby um, or really just to provide sound financial security, like how do we, what are some of the first steps to even begin talking about, especially in the market where we're in? Like, cause (laughs) it's like a question, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so so, so there's lots of questions out there. And unfortunately we've been brainwashed by a lot of the bank commercials that are like, borrow money at a low interest rate, borrow money at a low interest rate, borrow money at a low interest rate, right? That's like the number one bank commercial ever, all time. And yet, if we look back in the seventies and stuff like that, interest rates were 17, 18% and people were making money, right? And you know, we look. We know the real estate market will crash. We know the stock market will crash. We know uh, Bitcoin will crash. Like everything goes in a cycle, right? And it's just understanding how to make money in the different cycles. So it's part of it is understanding how to run numbers. Like people invest in the stock market, right? You got to understand some balance sheets and some stuff like that. And there's lots of courses online and stuff like that that you guys can do. And also, there's ways to do that for real estate. Starting to understand the market that you're in or where you want to invest, right? So, uh, I've been doing Airbnb investing since before they they started it in like 2005, we were investing in condo hotels, which was the precursor to Airbnb. Mm-hmm. But the reason I like that for a lot of people is you know, and we go through it in the book is one of the things that they can do, if there's a place in the in the country you like to travel to or the world, right? It doesn't really matter to be international. And you're going to, you know, you're going to go there often with your family because you're talking about families here and they like going there every year. Well, instead of just renting a place, maybe you buy a place and you rent it out while you're not using it. And that sustains itself. Right. And you can do that in different markets. You can eventually add on and, you know, so you can be traveling to different places because a lot of people want that time and financial freedom. And they can do that at slowly over time and have somebody else help pay for their mortgage payments, right? So if you're able to go there for two months out of the year and rent it out 10 months out of the year, right? Now it becomes an asset for you instead of a like your home, which technically isn't an asset for you because it's costing you money every month, but it's your home and you're gonna love it, right? And that's why you're there.
0: I like that idea. I mean, a lot of times when you ask about you know someone who's a you know an expert in this in this space, they would not necessarily suggest a, like a you know a, a second home or a vacation home. But you're right, it, you know the Airbnb type of a way of renting a, a property is is really is really kind of a key entry to that because everybody can get behind the idea like I want to have a, a home and um, you know a second home. My husband and I talk a lot about this. I live in Northern California, so we're like about hour and a half um, away from napa and sonoma valley but guess what airbnb is not allowed in those areas <laughs> so yeah. i'd love to have a property like a little cute you know home somewhere in the vineyard but like you can't really airbnb it so i'm sure there's ways to work around it but anyway as you can imagine i have thought about that because <laughs> yeah. we go Well,
1: and there's, and there's the, so the one thing about real estate is that you get super creative right and that's one way some people want to go traditional long-term rentals and you can do that right me being in California, me being in New York, there are lots of markets elsewhere where you could buy a house for fifty dollars to $100,000 and rent it out. So if you just want to do that, now it's about building a team and vetting a team in a different market. We can help people do that, but you know that's out-of-state investing because you know, New York, California are going to be a little more expensive to buy a second property in your neighborhood or where it is. And there's different reasons why we buy different properties right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you know, if you're doing it for an Airbnb property, you would not do the same analysis you would do for a long-term renter. Just mm-hmm. to give you a, a few little tips on that is, you know, as a long-term renter, you want good schools, just like you would for your home, right? You want good schools, you want, you know, you know, the, the three-bedroom, two-bath home, ideally, or two-two, or whatever it happens to be, right? Parking and all that. As an Airbnb person, they don't care about the schools.
0: They don't care mm-hmm.
1: about, parking and those types of things just probably ubering those type you know so there's different analysis we do uh for a short-term rental versus a long-term rental and that's where a lot of people mess it up they try and take a long-term rental and make it a short-term and a short-term make it a long-term and it's like well you bought this here and you didn't care about the school district but you put somebody in long term they care about the schools where their kids are going right mm-hmm. so so just some things to think about on that
0: I, I like that. So, uh, can we expand a little bit more on this because this this might be an, an interesting angle for 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 some people to think about, um, especially now as we kind of mentioned that where you know the rates are higher, right? right. Um, not as high as there used to be, you know, years ago. But we're all kind of stuck in in, in the environment. What's been going on for the last 10, 15 years, and we loved it, right? Yeah. Things were things were different. So. Um, if you're, if you're analyzing a property, right, whether it's a short-term use or long-term use, like what are some other, um, are there any areas that you think are better or really like a short-term property rental could be even done in your own backyard, if it makes sense?
1: Well, yeah, like some places uh, in Hawaii and some places in California, you can rent out, like if you get like the mother-in-law house or the Ohana, they call it, different areas call it different things, right? You put a second little house on your property, you're able to do that. Or you convert the garage and you rent out, Uh you know, you rent out above the garage, whatever it happens to be. Now, we have to be careful on laws, like you already mentioned, with certain areas are outlawing these types of things. And then certain areas, um, you know, you can only do it in your own home and like it has to be a homeowner. So you have to do some research on that. And that's the one thing, especially on the short term rentals versus the long term. Everybody's used to that by now. Most people aren't so concerned. Uh, with that, the benefit of the short term is you can four to 10 times typically your, your revenue. So whatever you did on long term, you can do that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I always make sure my students understand is that we go into every deal with three exit strategies. Because mm-hmm. so if you're doing short term, you also want to run the numbers on long term. Like, hey, would it cash flow if I needed to, right? If I needed to convert it. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. I was just on the phone with somebody earlier today and they're like, ah, oh, we just took our, our short term rental to a midterm. And now they got to go long-term because they're like, you know, it's just, they changed the rules and stuff like that. So that is one thing to think about, but if it's your second home, you don't care as much, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you get, if you're using that for that, that's why it's a good entry for people that haven't done it before. Um, and then and don't really want to be serious investors, but they want that ability to have some cash flow and to fund their passion projects. So it'll get you into the area that you want to be, but you ideally, for short-term rentals, there needs to be an attraction in the area. Why is somebody coming to the area? Right. <laughs> it could be a, you know, it could be college town, student housing, it could be a beach, it could be a mountain, it could be the vineyards, right? Like there's there's why would tourists sort of come to that area? And then we saw with COVID, a lot of people move for space. So it was like, oh, do you have a mountain retreat? All of a sudden, mountain retreats became big, right? And so it really just depends on your goals. But the analysis is making sure you can cover your expenses, right? If you if you want to be there two months or 10 months, that's what I ask people. How, many, how much time do you actually want to use your unit? Mm-hmm. There's a guy I'm working with up in Washington. He just built a dome, right? You can build domes. You can build all sorts of crazy stuff now. People want to stay in them. Um, you know, there's even like hiking sites where you can rent out pads if you want to put like just a tent pad down. So people are, you know, we got the glamping going on. So there's all yeah. sorts of things that people can do it's just how, how often do you want to use it? And then factor that into your numbers, because you also get discounts because you are paying the, you know, tax breaks and stuff like that. So some people need to do it for the tax breaks alone to start a business.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned there's a, there's a few ways to exit out of, or you got to think about what your exit is once you're kind of getting in. So is that, I, I mean, are you talking about, um, is it like, how are you going to make money on it? Once you sell the property or is it like what are you making along the way? Is there something else or completely? Yes.
1: No, no. So, like, because it's always easy, like, we can buy something and be like, okay, if I'm a lot of people like buy and want to fix it up and renovate things and make it better, which is awesome. But, like, okay, are you buying it to sell it? Are you buying it to hold it? And then, mm-hmm. like, what we just went through, a lot of people ended up buying properties at the height of the market when I was like, okay, if you buy it now and the market drops 20%, are you still going to be okay? right? Like making sure that's okay in there because we knew we were in unprecedented times. Like you said, we, you know, interest rates were so low for so, so long. We've got a little, lot of, you know, TikTok gurus and Instagram gurus that are all like, I can show you how to invest in real estate, but they've never been in a down market. They've never seen the market correct. Right. So it was like, I always told people, you got to have the three exits, you know, even if you just, if you made money for five years and then you had to sell it at a slight loss, you're still ahead of the game right? But you just prepare yourself for that. And if it's a second home, again, not as big a deal because you want to spend time there, right? And be able to do that. So, but yeah, so my analysis is always like, if the market keeps going the way it is, if, if the market slows down and drops 10%, and then if it drops 20%, right, just have a backup plan. And there's all different ways that you can structure that.
0: I feel like with real estate, it's also, well, especially like in this example that we're kind of discussing where it's sort of your, you know, vacation home or second home, like, okay. And people worry about this too, like around their primary residences, if the market goes down 10%, but you're not selling that property, right? If you can, especially for that second one, if you can continue generating income, right? Hopefully that's, that structure is in there. It doesn't matter if it's worth 10% more or less, right? Um, yeah. As long as it, is, it generates income. So my question to you on that, because um, I follow quite a few folks in this space of real estate, and some believe that, and it also depends where you buy the property. Like we're you and I both are kind of like coastal United States, so cash yeah. flow is diff- more difficult. So are we in this for cash flow, or are we really are going after appreciation, um, or should we be going after both?
1: I, for me, it's more on the the cash flow because we can't always predict appreciation, right? We're not psychic. Like we bought some property in Florida just pre-pandemic, you know, and the property went doubled in value. Now, is that us? No. And any investor out there that claims they knew that their property was going to double in value when they invested in it, run because it's not true. Like we knew we bought a property; and needed about eighty thousand in rehab. It was on a canal, so we we picked it up on the cheap. Put 80,000 into it now, it doubled in value. I was like, we're good for like 50 to 100,000 of that for you we did like force the appreciation of like 50, but the fact that it doubled, no, that's not us, right? Anybody that claims, like, oh, my property's double because I knew you could, in the last five years, if you had literally closed your eyes, taken a dart, thrown it in a map of the United States, and hit a house, you would have made money without doing anything. So yeah. When we go into it like that, we can't predict. And I saw that you know in 2000 we saw the opposite. Like properties dropped 50% in value. Now if you if you're renting them, like you said for the cash flow and you can cover your expenses, you can afford to hold that property until it comes back in value. But if you're just in an, into it for the appreciation, then you're you're screwed, right? Because you're not getting the you're you're negative every month. And at that point, a lot that's why a lot of people got foreclosed on back then. So, you got to make sure the cash flow is going to cover it and you get, you invest in areas that are growing and you will get the appreciation. Can you predict it? No, but you can be educated on where it's going to grow. You know, it's easy to see on cities where their growth pattern is. Mm-hmm. So,
0: once someone is, uh... Just kind of thinking about entertaining this idea, and, and you know, it's actually interesting because I'm I'm trying to recall like conversations lately I've had with clients. Um, I mean, everybody right, these days is like extra cautious, right? What what do I invest in, right? Like all the talks about Bitcoin and all of that good stuff. I mean, not that I put real estate in that category, but it's it's an alternative asset class. Let's yeah. let's. Yeah what it is, right? It's not your typical stocks and bonds, which most of us have like in our 401ks or our IRAs. Although we should mention there's also creative strategies to invest in real estate using your retirement accounts. So like when somebody is thinking about, all right, where do I start? Like, what are some of the beginner steps in kind of doing this inventory with yourself? Like, am, am I ready? And how do I assess that this would be like a, a profitable project for me?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple things, right? And and again, there's a whole lot of questions in the book for you guys, but just to sort of break it down simple for you is what, because we want money in stocks and bonds. We want money in the real estate market, right? You, you got to find that balance for you and that percentage balance for you, whatever that happens to be. I don't, I, you know, everybody has a different percentages on how they want to allocate their money, but I believe you got to have both right? Because sometimes when the stock market tends to crash, the real estate market tends to take off. When the real estate market crashes, the stock market tends to to rebound. So it's, you know, if you're constantly shifting your portfolios, which, you know, going back and forth, where where am I over leveraged? What do I need to balance out? You have that. But to start is to pick an area that you like, right? (laughs) So number one, determine your budget for it. And most people, unfortunately, whatever your budget is, just add 20% or the, whatever the property value is, like add to whatever you expect to spend, sorry, add 20% to that because that's what it'll be. We always tend to underestimate the expenses and they're actually usually more than we expect and especially in COVID and with prices going up and everything um, with that. And then two, get to know an area of the country that you want to invest in. Not to be for your second home or if you're doing long-term rentals, an area that's that's growing, right? And just start to watch it and really start to pay attention, We call it farming, right? Get to know an area, get to understand what's going on there. And then you'll be able to determine when there's a property that's below value. Because even when interest rates are 17, 18%, life happens to people, right? Life happens to people. So people have to, are getting divorced. So they got to sell property quickly. People, unfortunately there's deaths, right? There's upsizing, you know, people have more kids. They got to move to a bigger house, smaller house, change school district. Like job loss, job transfer, all these things continue to happen. No matter what the real, no matter what the market's doing, right? Some people got to sell quick. There's foreclosures. There's the so there's always opportunities if you know the area you want to invest in.
0: Mm-hmm. So start 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 with that. Okay, I'm gonna dig <laughs> personally. I still I I have not given up on the idea of owning a property in in you know in the Napa, Sonoma Valley uh, area. Just, yeah. Uh, I just got to be creative about it. Maybe it could be a vineyard, then that could be, you know, a workaround, the laws with the Airbnb, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure there's small little hotels there too that are having trouble, that are struggling, right? So it's just like picking, instead of just saying all of Napa, like pick a specific area of Napa that you like and get to know that area, right? Start to look at it, start to know prices and values because you know, if a deal is, is significantly under market, it's going to go quick. But if you know it right away, like, you know, like that property is listed, you're like, oh, that's that's really cheap. Let me go ahead and and reach out to it right away. That's where you get the deals. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How uh, we we mentioned this briefly, I feel like it deserves uh, another uh, go round. but investing. In in real estate using your retirement accounts. Now that's not a four hundred one k. Let's just be clear. Although I haven't seen any four hundred one ks Maybe maybe they you exist. Yes,
1: yeah, so, so you can do it. It has to be a, a genuine self directed four hundred one k.
0: Oh, okay, okay, yes. Or so, IRA.
1: Yeah. You so IRAs
0: that. are most frequent vehicles that allow you to. So talk a little bit about that for those who listeners who never heard of this idea. Um, Because, you, I mean, you know, all these years we've been told save, save, save money for your retirement, and we do, right? We save Mm -hmm. it in our our 401k or we contribute to to an IRA account. Um, And rarely, right, or less often people have money um, outside of those accounts. And so it's more difficult. Um, But how does that work?
1: Yeah, so you have to find the right provider, which is a genuine self-directed retirement provider. And they allow you to invest in alternative things, like make like you can become the bank on a property. You can be the lender on a property. You can actually own real estate inside of it. Um, And you can, you know, you can't fix, no fixing and flipping. Sorry, you can, but you have to pay a lot more in taxes. So if you're going to do that, it's more going to be like a buy and hold property, ideally uh, Mm -hmm. for most people. And because you got to hold it for at least one year, one day for retirement account. So you get the loan you know, you don't have to pay capital gains tax and all of that. But instead of you owning it, right. You have to put it into the IRA and the IRA has to own it, which then means you can't manage it. So understand that. Like there's, you know, just like, there's lots of IRA laws that, you know, you can't touch your own money. And this is one of them, right. Uh, Making sure that you're not using it to buy yourself a second home, no second homes with your retirement accounts. Right. So you can't have, you can't have the benefit of it. It has to be a true investment property uh, then that you go ahead and do that. And then, you know, deed and title go back to your retirement account. So it's very similar to, you know, owning a stock in there where the name of the stock is not you as a person. It's your 401k account. Same thing happens on that. You can even create an LLC uh, for your retirement account and use that to fund the deals uh, mm-hmm. to go ahead and do that. So the money, the LLC is owned by the 401k and so the money goes straight back so that way if you're, you're doing multiple transactions you can do that but yeah there are a lot of investors that set it up that way they take a portion again whatever portion you feel move it from your traditional 401k into that and then you can use those funds to buy and invest in real estate and the money goes straight back to it again you know you you, you there's very you have to be very careful with this and mm-hmm. you know this as a retirement yeah. specialist. That you know, you if you co-mingle funds or you know, you, you can't own it, used to be 50% of the of the property you were buying. Now it's like 30%. And some states are different on that. So check with your financial planners on that. You know, no co-mingling of funds, you can't really get a benefit of it. And anybody directly above you or below you, right? Your parents, your kids, and the family tree, those types of things. Um, I, I believe you can partner with your siblings because. You know the government thinks they'll steal from you just like anybody else, but like anybody directly and above you, that's our big joke when we do it, right? Like you know, family family is not always the best to invest with, so you want to make sure uh, you're doing it right. But definitely get with a financial planner to go ahead and do that so it's structured right, and then all funds go back to the retirement account.
0: Yeah, there's definitely I do know that there's definitely a lot of restrictions with how that works, but it it makes sense for. Sure. I mean, it makes sense probably for buy and hold type of properties uh, yeah. versus what we're just talking about here mostly is like, um, you know, second homes or vacation homes where you have the flexibility. Yeah. And especially if you plan to use it like in the summer or. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You can't do that. That,
0: that. <laughs> that, that can't be the, the the deal. So, okay. Tell us about the book. You mentioned it a few times. Sure. Um, I'm interested. Yeah. In what about.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the launch button. Um, you know, you've heard of the easy button. So the launch button is to help people launch, launch their passions and their dreams. Uh, you can get it on Amazon or you can go to the launch on there. We also have the PDFs and everything like that. You can get a free chapter on there for free, and then you'll get access to the PDFs once you get the book, but the launch button it's designed, it's sort of my journey of launching out of the corporate world and mm-hmm. other people t- walking them through that and all the things that I wish I knew back then. Right. Mm-hmm. Like to max out my 401k, to have my, my life and overfunded life insurance, to have all these things in place, get all my lines of credit, get all those things before I left. So you can make that smooth transition. And then really build the lifestyle that you want. With COVID, you know, we now have that ability to travel and to do different things. And so do you want to work part part time from different places? We lay out a plan using like Airbnb and stuff like that. And oh, one of the secrets on there is some of the the sites like Airbnb and those types of things is where you can test your passion to see if it's profitable. Um, You know, if you want to give paddleboard lessons, so that's your, 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 you know, your ability to do that. There's some things on there that you guys can do to test it out in your area, like do it on the weekends and see if it picks up enough business that you're going to generate the revenue. So you know what it is. So it lays a, a couple of ways to test your passions once you have them. And then, sort of wraps it up and we go through like the rocket launch phase. It's like a three-phase process of before you leave your job, all the things you should do. Then as you go to switch and transition, and then once we know that you're in orbit, it doesn't take that uh, that much work once you're in orbit to stay in orbit. Right. But it's getting off the ground is the hardest part and getting that launch. So yeah, it, it awesome. walks you through the different phases of that.
0: Cool. Yes. I'm interested to check it out and we'll include in the show notes, a link for everybody to get a copy. Um, How everybody can get in touch with you if they have questions. I want to follow you on this journey.
1: Sure. Um, You can go to my website, HughesResty.com on Instagram. Facebook is Hughes Wealth on there to go ahead and do that. And we will say that I could not write or spell. All right. So my mom was an English teacher. My dad was a math teacher. I followed my dad. I was great in math. I was great in all these things. I started writing this book like 14 years ago when I first launched and then, you know, finally came back around during COVID to do it. And we did beat Robert Kiyosaki and all the big names, you know, and became a bestseller on Amazon for that. So, But it definitely was a passion project of mine to try and get that done and to to be able to do that. But yeah, uh, more than happy to connect with people. They have the ability to schedule a, a consultation or anything like that with me. And uh, I want to thank you for having me on here. And uh, as we're doing this across the country, and definitely um, we'll connect you with some of our team members out there in Northern California.
0: Awesome. I appreciate it, Hugh. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it, too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone, Uh, So don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide. help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes i see people make all the time such as not having clear financial goals not having a handle on spending or saving for the future not knowing how to get rid of all the debts and of course not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money until next time remember you are the boss of your money